Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Welcome to episode 23 of Window on the West. My name is Jonathan Watson. Once again, I'm here along with Dan Coates and Michael Grumbine, down below. And today, we are going to be reading through chapter 18 of The Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin. Um, however, I don't think we're going to get through the whole thing. So I think we're going to stop about a third of the way, third to half of the way through. I don't know exactly what that stopping point is. But the point at which we delve into all the men, right after the death of Fingolfin, we will not go that far. Because I think we've got plenty to go on in this episode without we will, getting lost. We will we will pause in memoriam of Fingolfin. <laughs> uh, all right, but before we do, before we do that, before we get to Dan's big thought, we're going to do... All that is gold does not glitter. However, we're going to take a different tack this week. What we're going to do on a little, little uh, side jaunt here is um, go through some online quizzes to find out which characters in Lord of the Rings we are. So I have three <laughs> quizzes. One for me. One for Dan, one for Michael, and um, one is early. This is from 2006. I have no idea. I, I just kind of uh, browsed through, and I didn't really, I wasn't very strategic in this, but I decided to pick ones that seemed very different so that we would get different responses. So I, I will go ahead and do this first one. I think Michael will do the second one. Or Dan will do the third. Is that what we agreed to? Something like that. Um, I don't know what we agreed to. In fact, I, I would like to take this moment to. To, to, to lodge my formal protest of this. <laughs> I was so excited that we weren't trying to figure out which one's Tolkien, you know, for, uh, out of these four texts. I was like, I, I never get it right. And now, but we're doing this instead. So now I don't know how to feel. You can't get it wrong. <laughs> and, and these are, uh, these are true. You can't go back once you've found out which character you are. This is it. Hmm. Just like all those other Facebook. <laughs> the, the, the You're uniform. locked in. Hmm. It's like, all right. So, all right. Okay, so this is which Lord can, of the Rings. Can we take them for the other people? Can, can we have the other two vote for? Nope. for oh. no, no, this is it. This is done by, by high-end artificial intelligence identifying exactly who you are through <laughs> a exhaustive ream of questions that will certainly end up with the true character of your Lord of the Rings. I guess or, we can't uh, we can't argue with it because it was designed by or, or developed by Mary Brandybook. That's so. right. That's right. On December or on December on August fifteenth, two thousand six. <laughs> that is one long lived hobbit. hobbit. So almost sixteen and a half years. So, first question. I'll, I'll answer these ones. How would you describe yourself? At one with nature, wise or proud and powerful? Okay, I already know which which, exactly. which wizard here. But I, okay, so I, my formal complaint is that this does not include the five wizards. This only includes three. So three. sorry, it, they should have added two more that are totally random and given them exactly because no right. one can. Sit, I'm, I'm going to say proud and powerful. Mm. Mm. Although wise is there too. I'm certainly not a one with nature. Um, we'll go, yeah, we'll go I would have picked wise for you. Oh, well, thanks. But this is how I see myself, not how others see me. It's, <laughs> you know. 
uh, but it's more it's more annoying if I just tell you what I would have put as you go through. True. Maybe we should have done that, chosen it for, <laughs> for, for the other person. All That's right, what, what does the ring mean to you? I must help Sauron get it. Not much. Frodo must destroy it if there is to be hope for Middle Earth. Well, I'm proud and powerful, but Frodo certainly he must destroy it if there is to be hope for Middle Earth. <laughs> and this this question. All right, this is not top tier. How do you feel about birds? <laughs> well, I don't know if you've been following online the recent revelation that birds aren't real. That's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're all spies. Is it a revelation? Um, is that what it is? <laughs> they're lousy animals, or I live with them. They're very important. Important. Eagles have especially been helpful. Well, especially in, in this chapter, we we'll have to go with the eagles. That's right. That's right. Especially helpful, but only after death, apparently. Mm -hmm. actually, they'll never get you anywhere. They'll just, they'll just take you from where you were. Mm. Okay. Um, and then the, when, the, when the final act is played, they close the curtain. They close there. Well put. Uh, how about hobbits? Gandalf takes much interest in them. Stupid halflings. There's more to them that meets the eye. Oh. Hmm. It's weird because it's like two of those are like self-reflection and then one of them's like in the third person. <laughs> Gandalf <laughs> yeah, takes yeah, much interest in them. It's like, this is Saruman actually put this together. Like, no, I mean, it's not, uh, I think they're Transformers, and there's more to them than meets, than meets the eye. So uh, we'll go with that one. All right, we've only got, oh, I've got to hurry this up. We've got 10 questions. All right, next question. What is, are your weapons a staff and palantir, a staff and a sword, or I don't fight much, but I would use my staff. Oh, a staff and a sword, not a palantir, for sure. Would you prefer to live inside or outside? Um... I'm going to go inside. I'm, I'm really not an outdoorsy camping kind of person. Uh, what are your feelings towards trees? Cut them all down. Or ants are very helpful, especially Fangorn. Or they're very nice to live around. I think they're very nice to live around. I enjoyed my time spent in the, uh, the California mountains at times up near Truckee, Donner Lake, Tahoe. Okay. Would you do anything to save your friends? Oh, geez. This, this one's not, not, not hard at all. Um, Friends, I'd kill them if necessary. <laughs> hey, if, if I can kill a friend to save a thousand more, then I would certainly do it. The other, the other options were which wasn't the question. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I'm helping. I'm helping our listeners because they can't. Some of them can't, they can't see, see them. No, I know. So here are the other other options. Most of my friends are animals. If they die, there's more. So no. <laughs> yes, I would even die. Or two. Ha. Or lastly, ha. Friends, I'd kill them if necessary. Okay, next, ninth question. Would you ever side with Sauron? No, never. I was sent to combat his power. Yes, if he became very powerful. Uh, you mean the squirrel? Oh, Sauron. Um, no, I don't think I would. Uh, okay, what? What? You mean the squirrel? That's a, an option? Um, what? Do you guys, does that, no, not ringing a bell? It's, I bet you it was made right after the movie Up came out. Squirrel. Huh, maybe. Okay, well... Um, fact check. What? When was the movie up? While you he, keep going, I'm going to fact check the movie up. Uh, you mean the squirrel. Well, that's just too weird, so I have to select that one. You mean the squirrel. So sorry. 2009. I was wrong. It couldn't okay, have been because no this was idea. made in 2006. Maybe this was like an inside joke by Mary, Mary mm. Brandybuck, who developed this thing. Okay. Probably. Finally, if you died... Who would you take? Who would you want to take your place? <laughs> uh, that squirrel. That's the first <laughs> option. <laughs> what is this? What's going on? Uh, Aragorn or ha? Me dying? 
Uh, okay. Like I said, I didn't, uh, I didn't test these before. <laughs> so they're very well written, well crafted. But, but si since he mentions the squirrel again, I certainly have Great. to go with the squirrel. So you've gotten three, three, and four for your. You've picked three, three, and four. That's interesting. This is as very far, uh, Monty as far as your Python. split. Uh, okay, well, th at least it's in depth. Look at this. I'm 40% Gandalf. I'm wise and kind to others. Uh, I'm not distracted from com combating the power of Sauron, which was your task in Middle Earth. I'm also, I could also get this result because 30% I'm Sauron. This is horrible. This only gives you like a breakdown of the 5% or the 10% for each answer. So I'm 40% um, Gandalf, 30% Sauron, and 30% Radagast. I think it's time to move on from this one. This is the worst one. All right. Wow. Um, all right. So next. All right, Michael, we'll do this one. This is uh, which Lord of the Rings character are you? Hey, I, I will put these links in the show notes below. This is so this is Dan's quiz, apparently. This is Dan's? I thought, I thought we were going to let you. You relegated me to the Rings of Power oh, quiz. All right. All of, right of, which I, of which I had much better. No, no, no. I'll take this one. I'll take this one. I, okay. I'd rather be this one than the Rings of Power character. All right, good. All right, Dan, you get to choose the Rings of Power character. All right. I mean, no, we have to make it perfectly reflective of who you actually are. All right, so first <laughs> question. When do you usually wake up? The crack of dawn, you honestly never sleep. Mid-morning, early morning, afternoon, or so early it's still dark out. Uh, you honestly never sleep. Huh. I sleep very good little. Good answer. Okay, pick a word that best describes you. Adventurous, relaxed, loud, witty, brave, sweet? Loud. Loud. I agree. Pick somewhere that. to go on vacation. <laughs> the one we agree on is that he's loud. Um, pick somewhere to go on vacation. Somewhere quiet. Cave exploring. The forest. Home. The mountains. On an adventure. Um, mountains. Mountains. <laughs> Where would you be at a house party? In the kitchen. In the middle of a large group of people. Sitting on the couch telling stories and jokes. Standing off in the corner in a small group of friends. Or somewhere observing people. The last. Somewhere observing, somewhere observing people. people. Really? You? You're hmm. not the life of the party? Hmm. Hmm. You're the loud life of the party, or you're loudly observing I, people. I, I, I make commentary. <laughs> See, the off-summer observing people doesn't say I had to be quiet when I was doing it, did it? Nope. All right. Okay, so... Um, all right. How many questions are there in this thing? I, I don't know. Let's go fast. What would be your tragic flaw? Your kindness for others? Your pride? Nope. Your sense of purpose? Your sense of duty? Your passiveness? Your intellect? Uh, tragic flaw. Intellect. <laughs> Okay, pick a color. This is deep. Pick a color that best reflects your personality. Blue. I'll just let you blue. Okay, why blue? Um, I love the '90s song. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! Would you, <laughs> would you pick to be your animal companion? That took me a second. Um, an eagle. An eagle. That's a good companion because they'll be there to save you when you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, which of these educational places would you go to? An aquarium, art museum, science museum, a zoo, an air and space museum, or a history museum? A uh, history museum, of course. Mm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 100%. Uh, what's your best quality, your love for others, your honor, your wit, your smile, your gracefulness, or your laugh? It's not on there, so I, I choose nothing. No, um, sorry. Wit, I guess. Honor, maybe. Who knows? You do. All right, Dan, you and I, he's not, he's, he's not picking it, so you and I have to decide. I now. would say I would say honor. Not my smile, that's the, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say honor or even gracefulness. Gracefulness in the sense you are graceful when you deal with other people. You offer Am I? grace. Hmm. Uh, I think so. Hmm. In your okay. in-depth in discussions that I've yeah, seen where you're at odds with, with other that. people. All right. That, that is really, really kind okay. of you all. Let's see here. It just jumped me way down the list for some reason. 
Okay, which location on Middle Earth would you want to visit? Helm's Deep, mm. Mirkwood, the Shire, Lothlorien, Kazadum, or Rivendell? I'm just kidding. Lothlorien. Lothlorien. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious, Dan. What would you? Where would you want to visit? Um, I definitely would want to visit the Shire. Hmm. I think that's where my heart lies. <clears throat> yeah, I think I would want to visit Rivendell. Yep, almost that's Rivendell, nice. but I don't know, man. Something about Rivendell and, and how it struck me the first time, and that the the the, the picture I had in my mind of of it being in that valley with the but the golden and silver and trees are un, unreal so true. that's i would true. love to see those well all right so Michael, which character just like are you? me you are mostly gandalf <laughs> there you go. you're really you're... smart and you know it <laughs> <laughs> you're the infinite type of knowledge. person that seems to have infinite knowledge of both useful and meaningless information you'd absolutely fly through a trivia game show with very little issue is that true Mm -hmm. Is that true? Would you fly? Maybe. I would fly with my eagle because I have an eagle. <laughs> You're also a bit mischievous, but that's all a part of you. A part? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. They put the word together. That's all a part of your charm. There's a warmth to you that everyone notices, and that makes you a great person to be around. At least there's not a tempest in me. <laughs> but maybe... Maybe there will be a Tempest in Dan. So, oh, no. which Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power character are you, Dan? Let's find out. Oh, boy. Which Middle-earth species would you be part of? Men, elves, orcs, dwarves, or hobbits? You know what? At least they admit that they're, they're, there's no Harfoots. They're actually hobbits. Yeah, they, I don't... Just because I don't want to end up as a Harfoot, I'm <laughs> no, going no. to say. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to you're say. You're not allowed to do that. No. And, I quote, and I quote Dan, the Shire... <laughs> I know. I, I take it's it where back. My heart is. Is where well, my heart well, is. Well, those Harfoots in the show are not from the Shire, right? Those no, are... but you would rather be a Hobbit. They're not Hobbits. Yeah, they're Harfoots. You, yep. Yeah. I think it's Hobbits. I think it has I'll, to be Hobbits. I'll be a Hobbit. Sure. So, where would you live? The well, Shire, of course. The Shire. The Shire. Mm -hmm. Who would be your best friend? Gladriel, Elrond, Elrond, Arwen, Gimli, or Boromir? Well, that's an interesting hmm. question. Yeah. Hmm. Um. You know, it's funny. I bet you, if you put Gladriel then that makes you like Galadriel because she is this her is... own favorite, favorite best friend. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one she loves most of the world. And, and they did this before they knew who Galadriel really was. Mm -hmm. It was revealed in the Rings of Power. That's right. I think you got to put me down with my buddy Elrond. Oh, I think that's hmm. what I would have picked. Elrond or Boromir? Yeah, it was between those two. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I who agree. is the best antagonist? Sauron, Saruman, Gollum, Grima, or the Witch King of Angmar? Hmm. Interesting. The best antagonist. Um, let's go with Gollum. Gollum. Without him, Middle Earth, Middle Earth would be ruins. That's true. He that is, makes him the so best. Made best. Yeah. Which Lord of the Rings movie have you rewatched the most? Oh, interesting. The Shell, Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, The Return of the King, uh, The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey, or The Hobbit: The Battle of Five Armies. They they just completely <laughs> ignored the Desolation of Smaug, the second one. So. Uh -huh. Uh, was there? What was there really a second one? Do birds really exist? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably the Return of the King, but I do think that the Fellowship of the Ring is the superior movie. I it is. agree, completely. Yeah. It is indeed the. And superior why would you movie. say that? Why would you say that? I think that it's just the of the three. It's the closest to the book, in my opinion, and I think that it just the way it sets up the Shire and. I don't know. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, and everybody likes Gandalf the Grey more than Gandalf the White. Mm. I think that's a big part. Yeah, of I never really thought about that, but yeah. Uh, okay, choose a quote. Not all those who wander are lost. Even mm. the smallest person can change the course of the future. If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. Memory is not what the heart desires. That is only a mirror. <laughs> I would rather share one lifetime with you than face all the ages of this world alone. Hmm. Hmm. One of these quotes is not Tolkien. Um, I guess I'm going to have to pick uh, the not all who wander are lost. Which ring would you choose? The ruling ring, namely the one ring. The ring of fire, Narya. The, wing, the white ring, Nenya. The, one of the seven dwarf lord rings or one of the nine mortal rings of men. Oh, sad. Vilya got short shrift. <laughs> why, why would anyone want to have the nine rings or the seven rings? Because you just become a slave to Sauron. Why would you want that? I guess uh, the, the ring of fire, does that not help uh, unite people and inspire them? Mm-hmm. It, it I'll, does. I'll, I'll take the ring of fire. Like also that. helps like defend that. you against a Balrog. Yeah. All right, which powers would you want? Invisibility, to heal and preserve, to gain wealth, extended lifespan, or ultimate control? Ooh, um, I guess to heal and preserve. Hmm, you're going to be an elf. Yeah, (laughs) sad. (laughs) All right. Not sad. (laughs) Choose three people to go on a journey with. Samwise, Frodo, and Pippin or Mary. Wait, Elrond. what? That's four people. They <laughs> can't even count. You, you have, Pippin you have slash to, you Mary. Have, I, I know they put a slash in there just to save themselves, but it's literally not. They're uh, the same character in the movie, so it's yeah, really they're, they're interchangeable. Yeah, <laughs> they're like R two D two. It's like they're the same thing. Uh, Elrond, Boromir, and Gimli. Bilbo, Gandalf, and Thorin. Legolas, Bard, and Thorin. Oh no, no, definitely <laughs> not that one. Galadriel, Eowyn, and Aragorn. Wait. Oh, okay. Why did they yeah. put Elrond, Boromir, and Gimli together? That's a weird one. It's a, I don't know. Well, Galadriel, El- Eowyn, and Aragorn. I think <laughs> it'd be more awkward, awkward if it was Arwen, Eowyn, and Aragorn. You're like, well, that's a super. That that's all a super awkward one. The Galadriel, Eowyn, and Aragorn. Yeah. So not that like, one. Not that one. It's like unrequited I'm, love. I'm and stuck with my mother-in-law. Yeah, my mother, my grandmother-in-law, grandmother. and the and, and the unrequited <laughs> woman who loves me. That's that's the most that awkward date like... ever. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to go with Bilbo, Gandalf, and Thorin. Hmm. I think that'd be it. That's that's a I good would mix. acknowledge that one too. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's a good mix. All right, one more. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Courageous, compassionate, wise, strong, or loyal? Hmm. I guess loyal yeah i don't know yeah seems right no you got galadriel there is a tempest in you (laughs) how did i get the worst character (laughs) no matter what you did i bet you i bet you i bet you no matter what you put pick it's always galadriel yeah it's always galadriel that's what it is galadriel put this one together she made everyone's gonna be me everyone's gonna be me because i'm the most important one Here's, here's what it writes, though. You got Galadriel. You are a firm defender in the forces of good and light. I mean, you you're willing to sacrifice anybody no who's a defender of the forces of good and light that serves your purposes. But this I guess must you're have done. been done before the film, before the show came out, because she, they write, you are very kind, warm, and gentle. <laughs> what? You show you have a great heart and sympathy over the weakest of creatures of Middle-earth. All of these statements are false. She is none ever... of those things in The Lord, Rings of Power. 
So this quiz has uh, brought me into a pit of depression. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jonathan. No problem. <laughs> that was so perfect. Oh my gosh. All right. I will link those in the show notes if you want to go try them yourselves. Let us know in the comments what you got. And if I want to see on this one, this is on geekbomb.net. Never heard of the site before. But uh, if you got, if does everybody get Galadriel if they go through this? That would be really fun. To find out, that would right? be fun if, if our Discord chat, they posted their results. They all posted the yeah. results of what, what they took. Mm. Don't, don't like that, man. All right. Well, let's. <laughs> As for on. us, we might have spent too long on that. So hmm. if you skipped forward, here we go. We're going to get into chapter 18, the first half of the Rune of Beleriand and the fall of Fingolfin, Michael's homie, G-Funk Money Dog. My boy, my boy goes down this chapter. And, uh, and Dan, Dan, as, as is our want, what is Dan's big thought today? Today, this chapter is called Of the Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin. Fingolfin. And um, something that I just noticed as I've been reading through the Cimmerillion, and I didn't notice it until today, is that every chapter starts with of. So my big thought is that they titled the chapters of the Cimmerillion like episodes of Friends. So episodes <laughs> of Friends, they're all like the one with Ross's new girlfriend or the one where Joey moves out. So if we were doing that same kind of format convention, it would be this is the one where Balerion gets blasted by a volcano and the High King dies battling a, a god. So I thought that was pretty cool. I never actually, that's funny. It never occurred to me because I never decided to look at them in order here. But yeah, you're right. Every single one is of. Yeah. Well said, sir. Well said. So in this chapter, obviously you have like the big giant volcano blow up, which apparently, unlike Rings of Power, does kill elves. Right. (laughs) So the most powerful of all the creatures of Middle Earth, um, which are the Noldor, in fact, get wiped by the pyroclastic flow. So, uh, unlike, but I guess there were no random dirty villagers in that mix. So mm. maybe they're immune. Yeah. Like yeah. So it, it is interesting that they they kind of hold off. Uh, it, I think at the beginning of the chapter, Fingolfin is trying to, as the high king of all the Noldor, he's trying to summon all of the elves to. Hey, we need to actually fight right now because we're strongest right now we finally have men allied with us let's go after morgoth and he's not able to get everyone on board with that because it just seems like well if we do that a lot of us are going to die we don't want to do that um let's just like uh, let's just have the status quo that we've got going on we've got some kingdoms we've got you know land we're we're okay and then it's really interesting that morgoth just surprise attacks him with a big giant volcano and just kills everybody and all of the it seems like all the kingdoms that are in that in that um i I guess they're all encamped around it it's the siege of uh, angband and he just basically breaks through everywhere right using fire and a dragon and And glaurung glaurung our first the first dragon we have mentioned and uh there were a lot of cool instances i had forgotten from my last reading one of them is that Tolkien in his notes here, published by his son, is really, really insistent upon just giving us the the uh, end of the story in the beginning. I'm going to read this quote from the first paragraph. This is after we're, we're talking about um, Fingolfin's plan to actually break the siege and um, 
win the war against against Morgoth. This council was wise according to the measure of his knowledge, for the Noldor did not yet comprehend the fullness of the power of Morgoth, nor understand that their unaided war upon him was without final hope, whether they hasted or delayed. So just telling us right in the beginning, ain't nothing you do is going to work. You can wait. It's not going to work. You can attack. It's not going to work. You are hopeless. And, uh, and these are more, these are Noldor too. So, but anyway, my favorite passage was the description of the volcanic explosion, which, um, I wish rings of power had done something like (laughs) so. And then suddenly Morgoth sent forth great rivers of flame that ran down swifter than Balrog from Thangoradrim. I I want to pause here and say, apparently the measure of how fast you are is a Balrog. That's, that's pretty interesting. We've, I don't know that we've, have we ever caught hint of the fact that Balrogs are supposed to be super fast? Um, it says, and then, um, and poured over all the plain and the mountains of iron belch forth fires of many poisonous hues. It's, that's interesting because it's like a rainbow of, of hmm. poison. And the fume of them stank up the air and was deadly. Thus Ardgallen perished and fire devoured its grasses and it became a burned and desolate waste full of a choking dust, barren and lifeless. And it says, um, for many of the uh, many charred bones there, their ruth. Um, sorry. Let me start again. Many charred bones had there their ruth, ruthless grave, for many of the Noldor perished in that burning who were caught by the running flame and could not fly to the hills. Hmm. And so um, it's just a this message. And so this is the Dagor Bragaloch, the Battle of Sudden Flame, and Glaurung is there. Glaurung the Golden, who I had forgotten was the Golden, um, just as the very first dragon we ever meet in Tolkien's world when The Hobbit was published. Smaug is Smaug. Smaug fancies himself Smaug the Golden, which now I'm beginning to think may have been Smaug being egotistical, trying to make himself like the father of dragons. Oh, hmm. Interesting. That's a really good point. And not just, he's sitting on gold, right? The other thing is like... You know, no, he calls himself Smaug the Golden. Dragons. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And Glamrong is, he is the first dragon, right? He is indeed. And he has no wings, just to be clear. He's a wingless dragon. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And still yeah, nothing, nothing like him has been seen, so the elves have nothing against him. They, they, he, he destroys whoever he comes into contact with most of the time anyway. I just put two and two together. I guess that explains the map in The Hobbit, where in, in the map of the Lonely Mountain, he has an arrow pointing north, and it says, from, from of old, the great worms came, or something like that. Like So the, were the dragons the great worms? Yes, sir. So yeah. they, they weren't, they weren't. So like, yeah, when I read through this, I was imagining a dragon with, with wings and, you know, like the whole, so he doesn't specifically say they don't have wings, but um, I guess it becomes, it becomes clearer later on that they don't have wings. Yes. When he creates the winged dragons, he, he makes the point that the dragons that came before like Glaurung had, do not have wings. Hmm. I so. read the Silmarillion, Dan, and knew all this already. <laughs> I mean, unless unless it, I mean, it is possible it isn't in the Silmarillion, and I just because my knowledge is mixed up from all the other unfinished tales, um, that so so am I wrong on that, Jonathan? Did, no, because he, th- I mean, in in all of his, I mean, in the details of the Children of Hurin, there is no mention of him ever flying. It's always um, a, a crawling. You know, he crawls across the bridge to uh, uh, to Menegroth, right? The, the, all that happens, or is it Nargothrond? 
Now I'm, now I'm getting lost. Nargothrond, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all that happens, and he never flies. So I don't, I don't think there's ever, ever any mention of him actually, you know, his wings beating the air or anything like that. And I'm, I'd have to find it, but where it mentions that he is indeed a wingless dragon, I, I'm very certain that, that it's in there. Um, un unless maybe um, he gave his wings to the Balrogs. <laughs> <laughs> the standard question of do Balrogs have wings? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I, I brought up the map here. Uh, if you're watching it on video, and it shows us where Ard Gallen and, and Falglith is, right? The green region, which became land of gasping dust. Um, and it's at this point where, you know, um, he just he just comes out and like starts, just goes everywhere. It's not like he, he makes one, uh, he, he makes one drive into, you know, the into Tulsirian or into uh, Ard Gallen or into Maglar's Gap, right? He goes everywhere, like you said, Dan. It's, it's, and it goes all the way down to I think, where does he stop? He stops like at, eventually I think at the River Taglin, right down. Uh, if we look right, right down here, um, to the uh, west of Doriath, that's where sort of the uh, the break is, where where they finally start pushing him back. Uh, but it, it's so much that happens here with, with 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 all the different places. Did you guys have a specific part of this here? Because this is sort of like an entire like what happens here would be an entire season of a, of a TV show. Uh, yes. of, of how everything is being set up now and how many people die, right? A A Angrod and Ignor were slain, the uh, brothers of um, Galadriel, and uh, Amrod and Amras. Agnor, I always get them confused. Amrod and Amras are Feanor's sons, right? Correct. Remember? Yes, and Ang Angrod and Ignor are her brothers. So, um, but this is also the first time that, that the, the bond between elves and men is really forged. Uh, and we see that with what um with what bear here right is it bear here and no, i'm trying i'm trying to find yeah. a place here yeah bear here comes to the aid of finrod so finrod felagund he he, right. leaves, he leaves from his fortress down in the south to come help in the battle and uh, he gets quickly surrounded and he's about to get killed and bara here uh of the house of Bayor is the one that shows up and it says they they form like a wall of spears all around finrod yeah. and basically pull them out they cut they cut their way out of the battle with great loss right, right uh, that was my favorite yeah Fenisaric. in the fenisaric yeah so that that was my favorite part uh before we get to fingolfin was just this this bond between men and elves and how they come together and i just like the image of a wall of spears like they're just they're just completely surrounded and and they're they're cutting their way out and uh, this becomes important, it seems like, because um, F Finrod actually becomes indebted to a man, and he gives him his ring as like a, as a pledge or like as a token. Like I, I am now indebted to you forever. I thought that was interesting. Well, and do you know the significance of that? Because we've seen that ring. Mm. That is the. Uh, we've not seen it in the Silmarillion. The ring we've of Finrod. We, we've seen it in the Lord of the Rings. So uh, Aragorn wears the ring of Barahir. So this is a ring from 6,000 oh. years before at this battle, the Dagor Bragalach. Um, and it's been passed down through the, through the, through the ages of men down to um, Aragorn. And he wears the ring of Barahir and it, and it marks him as um, the leader of men hmm. for a variety, a couple of different purposes. But uh, yeah, it is, it, it's pretty cool. That's cool. This is, this is the origin of it. So with, it, it, I, 
I'm curious, Michael, because you've always, as as we led up to this chapter, right? You've always said that Fingolfin is your your favorite elf, favorite elf lord. So, what is it that, like, in this chapter, that brings that to a head? What is it about him that make makes him the character that resonated the most with you? I suppose it is that. Well, let me put it this way: I've always loved that tragic spirit of the Anglo-Saxon myth where, and it's in Beowulf as well, um, and where the warrior leader of his people in the utmost gives his life at the end in a kind of, in, in despair, and he goes out fighting. That's his, I mean, this is what he is. So Fingolfin is the greatest warrior of the elves. He's the high king of the Noldor. And um, I mean, Feanor was more powerful, but Fingolfin was the greatest. And so, and he does this thing. He makes of himself a legend by, by actually taking the fight to the source of all evil in middle earth to Sauron's Lord and fights him. Um, and, and, you know, and it's tragic and it's sad. It's an act of despair. And so, and, and um, he thought all was lost and he wasn't, he was wrong technically, not all was lost, but he's not, he's, he was mostly right. And, uh, and, and it's that tragic figure who, who at the last, you know, defies the darkness to the end and does something which no creature in Middle Earth then or now, you know, now in the time of the Lord of the Rings um, has ever done. So he wounded, he actually wounds seven times. He wounds, um, the greatest of the Valar in terms of the most fearsome of the Valar and um, most powerful creature. What, what is, what is the line? He says, um, Tolkien says, and that was the last time in those wars that he, that's Morgoth passed the doors of his stronghold and has said that he not, he took not the challenge willingly for though his might was the greatest of all things in this world alone of the Valar, he knew fear. So his might was the greatest of all things in this world. So, and, and there's the, there's the hero even smaller than him, like literally much smaller than him, and he's defiant to the end. And I just, I, I find that heroic warrior ideal to be appealing and sad. It's a tragedy and a glory all at once. And I, and I've always loved Fingolfin for that. Mm -hmm. And he's doing what a king should do. I mean, his, he's taking, he's, he's taking the fight to the, to the enemy himself instead of just relying on what others would do for him. So anyway, there's my, that's my personal love of Fingolfin. And uh, the idea that that a elf would fight in one in personal combat, Morgoth, um, is fantastic. So I love yeah. the baby. There's been a tremendous amount of good art done of this too. I love that image of him riding up to the gate, and mm -hmm. uh, you know everyone's is just amazed at what he looks like riding up to Morgoth's gate and uh, thinking that Orme himself was there. Right, because course, yeah. Light from his eyes? Is that what you're going to, the one you're going to quote? You're going to, you should read it. Well, uh, I'm not sure if I have the exact quote, but it's, it's, I like... have it, I have it highlighted here because it was my favorite line in the, in this part of the chapter too, yeah. which is, he passed over Dornu Fauglith like a wind amid the dust. I love hmm. that, that imagery because it immediately shows like he's so intense and fast. You don't really see it, but he's, he's on a mission and he's just kicking up the dust that all you see that what's left of him is the dust that is left behind that is spinning about behind him. Uh, like wind amid the dust, and all that beheld his onset fled in amaze, 
thinking that Orme himself was come, for a great madness of rage was upon him, so that his eyes shone like the eyes of the Valar. And I think we'd be remiss not to note that what is it that the, made the men fear the elves? It was the light in their eyes. Ah, uh, very good, very good, yes. And so when his eyes shone like the eyes of Valar, you would look on that in fear in a way. You'd be like, oh no, he's coming. And even, hmm. you know, the, the, the righteous anger of the good against evil here is, is not just um, a, a, a plaintive, direct, and, um, you know, it's good, but it's an intense, fearful good. And I like that. Right. And it's something, it's something that is indeed frightening. I mean, it, I think we have to imagine it's more than just sort of the light glinting off of his eyes and an angry expression. Yeah. I mean, this, I, I think there's pretty clear evidence that this is him showing forth his power, like his power is being expended, like Fionor in, mm. in some way, um, you know, his half brother and, and his, his power is going out from him. So, so, so much so that there's literally light coming from his eyes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just love that image of this, this very small elf. He comes up to the gate and he's just, he's just coming in righteousness. He's coming in. I am, I'm in the right and he's banging on the door and uh, he's challenging Morgoth to come forth in single combat. And then uh, Tolkien writes, in one sentence and Morgoth came it's just like oh it's <laughs> happening like <laughs> the, the man knows how to write yeah yeah and um and, and once again we have um where the name of a good thing in the Lord of the Rings is probably the name of a good thing that that Tolkien used before and so Morgoth hurled aloft Grond hammer of the underworld and Grond was also the um uh, the battering ram used against the doors of Gondor. Right. right. I mean, it means truth. Yeah. Yes. Minas Tirith, yes. Um, and so that, that, the, that paragraph where he talks about um, Grand rent a mighty pit in the earth where smoke and fire darted. Many times Morgoth essayed to smite Fingolfin, and each time he leapt away as a lightning shoots out from under a dark cloud. And he wounded Morgoth with seven wounds and seven times. Morgoth gave a cry of anguish. It makes me wonder if other elves had been there to witness this. Seeing Morgoth in a cry of anguish, would that have given them cause to say like, you know, hey, we can wound him. He's not, mm -hmm. he's not, um, he's not unassailable. This is not impossible, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, because I, I would say yes to your question, because right. the opposite effect is had upon the followers of Morgoth, whereat the hosts of Angband fell upon their faces in dismay and the cries echoed in the Northlands. Morgoth is bi a big one for crying. He's uh, he, <laughs> he cries for his Balrog. <laughs> when, he, cry, when, he cries a lot. When Ungoliant's got her, he cries on moving Come on, guys, leave me alone. What did I ever do to you? Uh, yeah. yeah, it seems like the only reason why Fingolfin loses here is he just gets he gets tired. He he can't keep up. Because um, otherwise, it seems like he's he's kicking his butt. He's he's just jumping away every time he tries to get. Uh, every time Morgoth tries to hit him, he jumps away, and he's able to just hit him with the sword exactly where he needs to hit him. Um, right. I, I got the feeling though that I mean, if you imagine it, Morgoth is this massive creature. He's mm -hmm. probably many times the height, or at least uh, multiples of the height of of Fan and Fe uh, sorry, Fingolfin. And Fingolfin is not is a tall elf. Um, I think he's over seven feet. I don't know. Right. Um, I can't remember exactly how tall he is, but uh, and so and so you got this mask. So all Morgoth has to do is hit once 
all, all Fingolfin can't make any mistakes, and in fact, he does. Finally, you imagine this battle that went on for some time, right? It's not like he wounded him seven times and they're like, wounded, 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 wounded. It's going to be this battle, this protracted battle, and then and then he makes he stumbles once and uh, falls. I mean, if you got to dodge a weapon that makes a rent in the ground every time it and yeah. fire and, and a flame comes out every time it hits, that's a. All Morgoth has to do is land one punch, and uh, finally, does. It's like playing the last. Uh, it's like playing Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can't ever get hit. <laughs> dating myself. <laughs> I love that game. But then he does die, and who comes to save him? I mean, to bear his body away, but the freaking eagles. Yeah, and Morgoth, Mor- Morgoth n- breaks his body, and he's going to feed it to his wolves, That's and right. says, and then Thorondir. Throndor, sorry, Throndor, the king of the eagles, comes. Um, and this was my favorite line. But Throndor came hasting from his eyrie amongst the peaks of the Chrysigrim, and he stooped upon Morgoth and marred his face. Yeah. <laughs> so you could just imagine this unbelievable massive eagle. And the rushing of the wings of Throndor was like the, we- the noise of the winds of Manway. And he seized the body in his mighty talons, and soaring suddenly above the darts of the oryx, he bore the king away. So he he saves his body. It's interesting because it's it's giving the eagle doesn't come to help him in the fight. It comes to help him help preserve his body and give it a proper burial. It's respect for the dead. And when when it has to ask the question, I suppose why does not why doesn't Thorondor come and help Fingolfin fight? It's in the sentence actually. I mean, it gives you a hint. It says. And the wings of Thorondor was like the noise of the winds of Monway. We have to remember the eagles are messengers of Monway, and it's Monway's doom that Mondos proclaims. He only speaks on behalf of Monway. So the Noldor have been doomed by Monway, and and so the eagle is not going to preserve Fingolfin's life. Right. Um, right. He's going to let the the doom of the Noldor take its take its. Um, Take, it's gonna. He's gonna let it happen. It's. It's. Oh. He's the hand of Monway. So. So are you saying that uh, he knows, or he's. He just goes at the command of Monway. Do you think Monway had anything to do with this and said, you know, once once this battle is over, go and bear the body of the one who was here in Valinor with us, right? Do, is it something like that you think, or is it that he is part of the doom and he knows what he must do? I would go more with the latter. Um, I. I think. I think. Um, you, when you say he there, do you mean the eagle, or do you mean um, the eagle? Yes. So I think Thorondor knows this. I think there's no way he wasn't watching. It's the battle because it says, it says um, later on, it says yet the tale. So so thus died Fingolfin, high king of the Noldor, most proud and valiant of the elven kings of old. So he's the most valiant of the elven kings. That's interesting. The orc. Orcs made no boast of that duel at the gate, neither do the elves sing of it, for their sorrow is too deep. Yet the tale of it is remembered still, for Thorondor, king of the eagles, brought the tidings to Gondolin and to Heathlum afar off. So in other words, Thorondor had seen the battle. He was there watching the battle. That's the only way he knows. That's the only reason the elves know what happened at the gate, because no orc's going to tell him. And nobody else is there with, no other elf is there with Fingolfin or man. So Thorondor has to tell them of the battle and of the wounding of Morgoth. There's, that's the only way that anyone has any knowledge of it that's uh, not a servant of, of um, Morgoth. And so, so that means he was watching. And if he was watching and he did not interfere, 
um, then he was letting the battle take its course. Yeah. And I have to think that that was Although, because of them as of him as an agent of Monway. True. Although they're the only ones with the far seeing eyes that would be able to describe that from afar too. Right. So they, they would be able they, they can see things, right. Isn't that right about the eels, right. They're able to discern things from far, far away as well. So he didn't have to be right there in order to possible, possible, but, you think with the speed of the eagles and this battle going on, he would have been able to arrive. Like the eagles yeah. travel like the wind, and right, yeah, and yeah. he he would have been able to make make that distance between his eyrie, even if he can actually see from his eyrie all the way to Angband, which is yeah. I guess possible. But it's it's funny how when um, when huge battles go down, the the eagles are always in the midst of it, and we keep arguing about them. Hmm. <laughs> Why <laughs> didn't the eagles, eagles come and save? And, yeah. <laughs> They always come at the end. Everything with the Eagles yeah. is always at the end. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I like your answer, though. I like your point that, you know, they, they know what the doom, at least, at least here of the Noldor is, and they know what essentially the doom of Sauron was, too, at the end of uh, the Lord of the Rings. And so that's when they're there to do it because the peoples of Middle-earth must take their place in whatever the doom holds for them. And the doom of, Gon- of Morgoth is to, uh, to limp with scars on his face. <laughs> right <laughs> which is awesome that uh, last blow the last blow as fingolfin was being crushed cripples morgoth that's pretty awesome yeah and ever uh, morgoth went ever halt of one foot after that day and the pain of his wounds could not be healed and in his face was the scar that thorndor made uh, I, yeah, I just i'd love to see somebody put that i don't think i've ever seen that kind of a of a Morgoth, right? We see the, the mountainous Morgoth, the huge Morgoth, the Morgoth that's towering over Fingolfin, but we never see the aftermath. Like he's limping mm-hmm. and scarred. And what does the scarred face look like? I don't think anybody ever really wants to uh, put Morgoth's face to paint or to digital form, right? It's hard to imagine mm-hmm. what he might look like, but I think it would be a really interesting approach to saying like, this is what happened to, to Morgoth when he crossed the greatest of the elves. Mm. Right. It, that is an interesting because actually now that you're saying that, Jonathan, I'm thinking of all the paintings I've seen of the battle between Fingolfin and Morgoth. And from a from a quote unquote realism perspective, actually what we know about that is that Morgoth would not have had a full face. We, most of the time he's painted with a face, um, a, hel- a full f- helmet um, that yeah. covers all of his face. But that couldn't have been the case because... Uh, the because of the of the Rondor's um, a, a scarring, so he would have had he would have had his face open, um, mm. or maybe he took off his helm at the end. Who knows? But uh, yeah. But anyway, at some point his face would have been revealed, exposed. Yeah, yeah. And, and his, he, his hands it, are already messed up, right? From uh, the Simmerals. His hands are burned from the Simmerals. Yeah. I mean, the guy's like a he, he's like a walking VA case. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's got burns oh all over his hands and arms he's it's, got yeah. multiple wounds that won't heal on his body he's crippled his face is a ruined mess i mean look this is he's he, gonna have serious yeah. ptsd after meeting yeah him. i mean he, he's the only one that knows fear of the Poor valor guy. so so ptsd is is it's, in the cards we can identify with him a little bit now <laughs> it's it's really interesting because i think you see this in tolkien multiple times where evil has taken on its final form and it can't really choose anything else because it's mm. it's 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 fully chosen evil it's fully like i think at one point i think sauron we learn sauron is able to shape shift and become different things but at a certain point he just locks in and this this is what he is yeah. and uh you you have that with morgoth here he's locked in into his final form and now he's just he's he's taken what he wants mm. and mm-hmm. now he's going to be crippled and scarred and marred and deformed the rest of his life 
and I, I, I mean, he's, I would, ta he's, he's taken after, yeah, Sauron takes after his master in that regard. Mm -hmm. Sauron does. I would wonder even if Ungoliant, right, was she stuck in that form too because she was a, um, she, she, she didn't necessarily start out as a spider. She was a, right, what, corrupted, there was a word, she, the spirit she, of. Of light. She was one of the stars, right, um, right, yeah. basically, so that had been corrupted. She probably couldn't change her ugly form either once she had gone completely in that direction. And then she had babies. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I just wonder who, who the dad was. That was a, that was a uh, squirrel comment. Squirrel. <laughs> and then she had babies. <laughs> in in the mountains of terror in Arid Gorgoroth, I, I would think. Uh, so so Thorndor, okay, all that discussion of Thorndor over. What he does is he takes his body and he brings him to the Crusagrim, the encircling mountains, uh, right? Or is the Crusagrim a. I want to make sure I get this right because I'm not very good with my exact, uh, you know. It's a mountain layout. that's Geography. north north of Gondolin, right? It, right. Lo it, lo it overlooks the valley from the north. Yeah. Yes. And so he drops him there, and Turgon is there to let's see. Turon built a high cairn over his father, um, and no orc ever dared to pass over the Mount of Fingolfin to draw nigh his tomb until the doom of Gondolin was come. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Do they even mention that in the... Dan, you just read it. I don't remember now. Do they mention uh, Fingolfin's Cairn at all in the Fall of Gondolin? I don't remember. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't remember either. I, I don't remember them doing so. This might be the only reference. And by the way, while we were talking, I did, in fact, look up and see if my memory was right in the final chapter of the coming of um, Eärendil, or of the voyage of Eärendil, before the final battle as Morgoth's last move in the final battle, he calls up the winged dragons, which it said he had, had never been seen before. So if they had never been seen before, then Glaurung had no wings okay. by process of elimination. All right. Well, that's a good way of wrapping it up. We can solidify that no, at this point, <laughs> dragons did not have wings. All right, guys, any final thoughts as we uh, close in this half of the fall of Engolfin? R.I.P. The most valiant king of the Noldor. Yeah. Would yeah have made I was going to say, if, uh, I was gonna say, if you're going to go out, go out like Fingolfin. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he just went out fighting to the end. Also, another proof in this chapter that Rings of Power Galadriel is a jerk. Because, you know, two of her brothers died and then she immediately forgot about him because apparently she only has one brother in Rings of Power. <laughs> and, and two of her three brothers died in this, in this, uh, in the Dagor Bragalach. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep, immediately, boom, gone from her mind. <clears throat> Did not exist. <laughs> you guys are the ones bringing up the wings of power. The rings of power. This is not me. <laughs> Just so you know. We're tempting you. We're tempting no, you. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stray into that mire. Dan, you missed it at the in the uh, in the live chat live stream. We they were teasing Jonathan the about the live how... stream. That's for patrons that we do once a month with our patrons. Indeed. At thewondering.com slash patron. There you go. Go ahead, Michael. I just had to get that little... Uh, well, this live stream was a special one because the first part of it, we got to watch Jonathan cheer for the Steelers. That's, that's <laughs> right. That was a good night. I was watching at the end. They beat the Ravens. It was awesome. Yep. Go Kenny Pickett. He was, Jonathan was very happy. And then he got teased later on about how he, he does not... He can't go an episode without bringing up Rings of Power. And so I've noticed that, that fastidiously he has avoided bringing up Rings of Power this episode. Mm. So good on you. Yeah. He did make me take that quiz. I didn't bring it up, though. It was the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
<laughs> I just love that you got Galadriel. I, I'm convinced no matter what you answer, you get Galadriel. That would be see that would be yeah, yeah, first class trolling right there. See if that that would that. be first class trolling. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move on. With the next week, we'll we'll get into what all the men do and all the battles and where things are because this is this is a geography heavy and person heavy. We get some great characters too, like. Um, uh, Emil Deer, the man-hearted, the wife of Barry here. I love the names. <laughs> and then also the other name that was my favorite, Gorlim the Unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's uh, a, Tolkien uh, having fun. I feel like it's just like that, that kind of a name is like a mopey Muppet or something like that. It's like Eeyore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to go up against the Morgoth. Hey, maybe, maybe it was Tolkien having a moment after watching with rage snow white and the seven dwarves because he hated that <laughs> the unhappy instead of <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome all right so um yeah we'll do that in that last half of this chapter next week and then after that man we get into baron and luthien which is a long one that we're gonna have to figure out how to break up before that so perhaps next week we'll let you know exactly how we're going to get into doing baron and luthien however um we're going to jump into if you like Tolkien. And if you like Tolkien, this is something I came across this week, which is C.S. Lewis's review of, I wouldn't say review so much as um, an essay in response to critics of The Two Towers and Return of the King. That's kind of a big part of it. Um, but uh, but he, I guess this is his review that appeared in, oh, I can't remember. It's in 1955 in a, in a, in a, in a paper, um, and it was reprinted in a book in 1970, I think I want to say. Um, but this uh, this article here is, is on the internet in a couple places. I'll link below to. Uh, I did a torque daily on this one. Um, but I, I really I wanted to focus in on uh, this bit right down here where he talks about the value of the myth because people were talking about like ah oh, it's fantasy like why why must we live in these fantasy worlds that don't have any bearing on reality and they're they're you know they're kind of denigrating the Lord of the Rings because at this at this time there wasn't any serious fantasy fiction really there was some serious science fiction but even then. Like Dune hadn't been published yet by the time that this had come out. And so you had, you'd have uh, short stories and Ray Bradbury had some published things. I don't even know, was some of Asimov's work out? By some the, of Asimov's by? work, yeah. Yeah, so there, was, there wasn't much, right? It was still a, a pretty nascent um, uh, yes. genre. Very, of, very of nascent. And, and I think fantasy was even more nascent. There was even less of it. Like you had the, you had the historical fantasy, right? The Arthur, Arthurian legends and other, um, uh, other almost more legendary things, but not a book like this here. And so he... Um, he, he defends it in a way that I think is really interesting. So he writes this. The value of the myth is that it takes all the things we know and restores to them the rich significance which has been hidden by the veil of familiarity. The child enjoys his cold meat, otherwise dull to him, by pretending it is buffalo, just killed with his own bow and arrow, and the child is wise. The real meat comes back to him more savory for having been dipped in a story. You might say that only then is it real meat? If you're tired of the real landscape, look at it in the mirror by putting bread, gold, horse, apple, or the very roads into a myth. We do not retreat from reality. We rediscover it. As long as the story lingers in our mind, the real things are more themselves. I love that line. As long as the story, the story, right? The things that we tell ourselves, the story like the Lord of the Rings, as long as it lingers in our mind, the real things, that, like the things in life that we see better, we see more clearly, they're more themselves. So uh, this book applies the treatment not only to bread or apple, but to good and evil, to our endless perils, our anguishes, and our joys. By dipping them in myth, 
we see them more clearly. We see our anguishes, we see our joys, we see the perils more clearly. He's giving it a gravity that it doesn't that people wouldn't wouldn't would wouldn't lend to it by showing like how um, story sort of you coat something in a great story and things become more real out of it. You see your life in perhaps a different light. Like we were talking even in our chat with um, <clears throat> with uh, with a couple of our patrons where. Uh, reading the Lord of the Rings was was like a turning point in life for them, right? It 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 drew them into a space of understanding the world where they weren't before because they saw things more clearly, right? They dipped their reality and story. And I, my point is that what we get now is that we get, it's the other way around. We take these stories and we dip them into our reality. And so we're coding these stories with the reality of our world and we hate it. We don't like it. It becomes less important, less relevant, less interesting, and just downright bad. So, well, I, I think it's awesome, Jonathan. I think I would like to talk more about it, but since uh, Dan and I haven't had a chance to read this yet, and I'm looking forward to it, maybe we can next week yeah. do a uh, follow-up, if you like, Tolkien, with our thoughts on the on C.S. Lewis, because I have yeah. some some nascent things forming, but I, I, I'm lo really looking forward to reading that. Let's do that. All right, so next week we'll we'll um, we'll circle back. I can't say Excellent. that without chuckling these days. But we'll circle <laughs> back to the to this uh, and talk about it in more details on if you like Tolkien. But yeah, well, I'll link this below. You guys, uh, uh, take a uh, you know take a look at it, read through it. Let us know what you think of it too. Um, Lewis is so enjoyable to read. He says so much in so few words. He's he's one of the like I don't know. Every time I read something from him, I get more and more out of it. So um, uh, yeah, check it out. So we are going to move into our extended podcast this week. I don't know. What are we going to talk about, guys? <laughs> we're actually, oh, I know, we're going to talk a little bit about why, why, why was Morgoth the only Valar that had fear? What, what's that about? What, you know, that's what uh, Tolkien writes that Morgoth was the only Valar who felt fear. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into a few other points. Um, take a look at uh, my upcoming Torque Dailies and maybe get some ideas from you guys because because uh, uh, we got we got to get some more things going. But um, that is in our extended podcast. You can get that if you go to theonewing.com slash patron. Uh, it's four dollars a month. You get a month free, and you can join us in our Discord. You can join us in our video chats, and uh, you can ask questions that we will answer in our extended podcast, which we're going to jump into now. It's another twenty to thirty minutes of intense discussion and bow, and 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 bones breaking, except for Michael's, and sweating and blood. <laughs> And curse word. No, we're not. I'm joking, actually. So, we'll wow. We'll sounds like an Italian party. <laughs> it's an orc party. That's what it is. Uh, but we'll move on to that. So you guys, you can stay here and hang out by yourselves without us for a while. But uh, we'll move on. So we'll see you later. And uh, we'll move on to the last half of chapter 18. Bye, freeloaders. <laughs>